This is the Do It Scared podcast with Ruth Sukup, episode number 12. On today's episode, we are going to talk with CEO Abby Lou Walker about Googling your way to success. Welcome to the Do It Scared podcast. I'm your host, Ruth Sukup, and each week on the show, we will talk about how to face your fears, overcome obstacles, and most importantly, how to take action and create a life you love. This episode is made possible by the world's very best tool for managing your time and getting your life in order, the Living Well Planner. Created by yours truly, the Living Well Planner is designed to help you organize your time, manage your budget, plan your meals and your to-do list, and crush your goals all in one place. It literally is the thing that keeps me sane and helps me do it scared, and it can absolutely do the same for you. Go to livingwellplanner.com slash do it scared to take advantage of our special offer just for podcast listeners. Once again, that's livingwellplanner.com slash do it scared. Hey there, and welcome back to the show. As always, my name is Ruth Sukup, and I am the founder of Living Well Spending Less and the Living Well Planner, as well as the founder of Elite Blog Academy and the New York Times bestselling author of five, soon to be six books. In today's episode, we are going to be talking to Abby Lou Walker, president and CEO of Vivian Lou, a company dedicated to freeing women everywhere from shoe pain. Abby started her company in 2014 as a side hustle, and it has since grown to a successful seven-figure business. But the journey to where she is today started long before that with many wrong turns along the way. But of course, that's exactly what this podcast is all about. It's about taking the steps that will help us move past our fear and sometimes making mistakes so that we can create a life we love. Because courage doesn't mean we are never afraid and courage doesn't mean that we never make mistakes. Instead, courage is being scared but taking action anyway, despite our fear. It is putting one foot in front of the other, even when we're not quite sure where that path will lead us. Okay, so just a couple more quick things before we dive into today's episode. First, you can download our Do It Scared Manifesto to remind yourself to start living your own life of courage right now. You can get it by texting Do It Scared, all one word, to 44222 or by visiting doitscared.com slash episode 12. Once again, either text Do It Scared, all one word, to 44222 or visit slash episode 12. Also, if you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. And while you are there, be sure to also subscribe to be notified of new episodes. All right. So now, without further ado, I am so honored to introduce you to our guest today, Abby Walker. In addition to being the founder and CEO of Vivian Liu, she is the author of the hilarious and completely riveting memoir, Strap on a Pair. 
Welcome to the Do It Scared podcast, Abby. I am so, so excited to be finally chatting with you face-to-face. I feel like we've kind of like moved in similar circles and we all are almost friends, but not quite friends. Do you feel like that too? Absolutely. I want to be your but friend. I know. I want to be your friend too, especially after reading your book. But we're going to talk about that in a bit. But thank you anyways for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here today to chat with you. Awesome. Well, let's just start like kind of at the beginning and start by talking about how you got to where you are right now. So first, just give us like the broad overview of your journey, who you are, where you came from, what makes you tick, how you got started selling shoe inserts, the whole the whole nine yards. Sure. So <laughs> I am Abby Walker, and I'm sure you did um, – heard about me in the intro, but um, I really started my journey as the CEO of Vivian Liu in about 2012. And at the time, um, I had just had my second child. Um, I was working in corporate America and I honestly struggled with um, who I was. Like I needed some sort of creative outlet because I was kind of just climbing the corporate ladder, being playing the mom role and was looking really to find myself again. And so I started a blog called Mama's Shoes in 2012. Mm. And I just wrote about things, all things high heels. So products for high heels, brands that I loved, really anything that came to mind regarding high heels. And I spent (laughs) one hour a week writing to that shoe blog. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. And I'd go months without writing to it, but it was just my own creative (laughs) outlet. And I had a whole whopping 36 followers. So it wasn't wasn't a huge undertaking. I wasn't looking to monetize the blog. It was simply just an escape for me like one hour a week to write about shoes. Did you ever, well, I guess one hour a week is not that much. So you probably didn't run out of things to say about shoes. No. And you know, sometimes I struggled. I was like, well, do I want to talk about our brand? Do I want to talk about the latest product? Do I want to talk about trends? Um, and if it didn't, if I wasn't feeling it, I just didn't write to it that week. Yeah. It, was, it really was just a hobby that yeah. I loved to do. So there was no pressure around the blog. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then in 2014, I wrote a shoe, pl- uh, a post about um, shoe products that were designed to alleviate pain for women who wore high heels. And while they were great in concept, I really didn't like the ingredients that were in them. A lot of them had lidocaine, which is the the numbing agent that dentists use. I'm like, wearing high heels is hard enough. We probably shouldn't numb our feet while we're doing it. (laughs) Imagine that. I know. So um, at the time, I worked for a company called Natural Wellbeing, and they formulated holistic supplements. And so I became acutely aware of kind of these drug-like components in some of our beauty products. And I was like, well, what are you going to do about it, Abby? You know, it was a a personal challenge. And I was like, well, I'm going to design my own foot spray. And so I didn't know anything about product formulation or manufacturing or anything, but I hired a clinical herbalist and a naturopathic doctor, and we put together this fantastic formula using all organic ingredients that actually um, did what the drug-like components did, but without the numbing and without the kind of um, not so nice drug-like, uh, effects that some of these products have. And, um, so we were able to mass manufacture or able to manufacture in small batches, but it fell apart when we went to mass manufacture it. And I was so bummed because I was like, I fully believe in this product, but I can't at the time. And that's a lot of work. It is a lot of work, but my husband gave me $1,500 to put together this formula and that was it. He's like, you have a full-time job. You're a mom of two young kids. You know, this is sort of this wild hair and sure, (laughs) go after it. But when we couldn't mass manufacture it and we could only manufacture it in small batches, it became 
really capital intensive and I wasn't prepared to invest in it at the time. Yeah. So honestly, like my heart was broken. I was like, this was it for me. This was like my dream. This is doing something that I loved. Um, and it was a way to get out of corporate America, but it wasn't meant to be. And so Mm. I didn't give up hope. I was like, okay, this stinks, but I'm going to continue to do market research. And in one of my searches, I typed in something like um, how to stop high heels from hurting or something really simple that I'm sure I had searched a million times before. And I stumbled across a forum where two women were talking about this insult called Insolia. And they're like, this has forever changed the way they wear high heels. And I was like, why have I never heard of this product? And I was so fired up. And I think it was kind of this emotional roller coaster after having my foot spray <laughs> fail <laughs> that I picked up the phone and called the chairman. And I was like, why have I never oh, heard wow. of your product? Yeah. And his response was, we're a bunch of MIT engineers that don't know how to market this product to women. To, to women <laughs> who and, wear high heels. Yeah, exactly. And so, <laughs> you know, he and I had chatted over the phone and, you know, he was like, we're most likely going to exit the direct to consumer market. We've really pivoted our company. We now manufacture insoles that are made into shoes. And I was like, don't give up on this product. So without knowing what I was signing up for, I was like, I am going to help you market this product. And initially I was like, I will take a cut of incremental sales you just retain like the fulfillment and the marketing and all that kind of stuff. And because back up, that's what you were doing. Like your day job was you were working as a marketer. Correct. So I was in corporate marketing and communications. So while I did have a little bit of direct to consumer marketing, most of it was like B2B or like brand awareness, not necessarily driving people to make a sale. To sales. Yes. Yeah. And so um, two different things. Two totally different things. Yeah. So everyone says, oh, well, you were in marketing. Like, well, yeah. yes, but that's like saying you're a doctor and you really are a dentist versus a surgeon. <laughs> you know, it's like there's quite a yeah. bit of difference. So anyway, um, I signed up and I was like, I want to take this on. And he's he said, well, let me ch- – yeah, he needed to check with his board of directors and see, you know, what they wanted yeah. to do. And he came back and he was like, look, the company's not interested in continuing this direct-to-consumer business. But if you want to become our direct-to-consumer marketer and distributor in the United States and Canada, it's yours. Exclusive distributor opportunity. And I was like shaking, you know, I was like, oh my God, oh my God. Yes. And then I was like, oh my God. How long did it take you to say yes? Like instant? Instant. Like it was, it was like a gut reaction. Like my body said yes. And in my mind I was like, okay, don't hyperventilate. You just said yes. You have no idea what you're doing. (laughs) Like it was So that was like your total do it scared moment. Oh God. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, but I, I didn't even have a chance to be scared. It was just this. Yep. Yeah. I'm dead. And it was like, he and was, then you were scared. Uh, yes. And then he was so excited. I'm like, I just said yes. And I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> so yeah, it was literally this oh, like awesome. gut reaction. Don't even think about it. Say yes. Kind of a thing. And, yeah. um, so the summer of 2014, I, Mind you, my husband did not know I said yes. And so (laughs) totally something that I would do. Yes. And so, you know, I had then, I already said yes, but then I was like, okay, I need to tell him that I have this opportunity, that I'm really excited about it, that I want him to be on board. (laughs) And he wasn't at all on board, but I continued. I had already said yes. So I was like, all right, I'm continuing conversations with Brian as if Bill's on board. So finally he came around. My husband makes decisions a lot slower than I do. I make emotional decisions and he makes rational decisions. Yes. And so as a team, we're really good. Mm -hmm. But 
like as business partners, we would not be good. No, <laughs> so, I can, I can absolutely relate to that 100%. Yes. yes. So I said yes. And, um, eventually Bill was on board and the summer of 2014, I literally spent drinking from the fire hose, like learning about contracts and distribution and warehousing and websites and payment processing and UPC codes. I mean, just everything. I had no idea what I was doing. And so, um, and then launched in October of 2014 and it was literally a hobby business. And so, um, you know, I, would spent nights and weekends working on it and, uh, wanted it to be my full-time job and struggled for a long time. Summer of 2015, Bill said that I could quit corporate America and Ooh, work. So that was one year after you that had was, signed on. So I had did- launched in October of 2014 and when did you when did you say yes to? to I said doing yes this? in April of 2014. In April. Okay, mm-hmm. so it was a little more than a year after you had said yes and yes. started the whole journey. Yes, and then it took you about six months to figure out what you were doing. What I was doing, and so launch. I mean, there was a ton of work behind the scenes, and then launch in October of 14, uh, 2014. And I was so incredibly fortunate that um, the manufacturer of the insole actually had a list of 18,000 women who had expressed interest in the product over the past oh, wow. 10 years. Yes. Yeah, so I wasn't launching cold. So mm-hmm. um, it was great. I was able to recoup my startup costs within three months. But after oh, wow. I exhausted that list, because a lot of those after 10 years, email addresses were dead. You know, it was mm-hmm. just, a, it, it wasn't a fully baked list. Yeah. Um, I really had to start from scratch in January of 2015 generating cold traffic and cold leads and telling people about the, the insoles. And so, yeah. Um, sales were really slow. <laughs> so <laughs> it, I honestly was only making about $1,500 a month in sales Okay, and really struggled. And my husband knew I wanted to give it my all and I couldn't being a full-time working mom, give it my all. Cause I'm, mm-hmm. you know, my attention was split in so many different ways. And so he mm-hmm. gave me the summer, um, to work on Vivian Liu but also look for another corporate job. And mm. so I spent, I didn't look for another corporate job, of course. I just worked <laughs> fully on Vivian Liu. And finally he was like, you know, it's it's time, Abby, you need you need to go back and start contributing to, because oh. we're a dual income family and that's yeah. how we, what we signed up for and whatnot. So I went back. So I looked at it as a quote unquote failure because I wasn't able to get Vivian Liu off the ground, uh. but I had to go back to corporate America in the fall of 2015. But the week that I went back, um, I actually had pitched Mindy Grossman two weeks prior, who at the time was the CEO of Home Shopping Network. And the week I went back to work, she called, um, or her v- vice president of merchandising called and said that they wanted to fast track the product through the approval process no and way. get it up on HSN. Yeah. No so way. I knew I wouldn't be back for very long because I was like, yeah. this is it. Yes. And um, it was just great. So then... Um, I sold out on HSN in January of 2016, March of 2016, and April of 2016. And at that time, I still wasn't making very many sales on my website, but I was able to prove that there was a market for this product on HSN. And if I could mm-hmm. prove it in that small market, I knew that there was a much larger market for women in the United States and Canada. And so my husband allowed me to quit corporate America again <laughs> in the fall of 2016. So, oh, okay. And I haven't looked back. <laughs> And you haven't looked back since exactly. then. It was finally, it was finally, finally time done. to take the leap. Yes. I love that. Well, oh my gosh. Well, there was there's so much about your story that is intriguing to me and that I loved. Like, first of all, can we just talk about 
the name of your book, which is the like the best name of a book ever. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> you yes. want to say it or do I get to say it? You could say it. You could say it. <laughs> it's your book is Strap on a Pair, which I think is like so clever because of I mean, obviously you're referring to shoes, yes. but yeah, and other things too. And other things too. Yeah. So that is <laughs> that is often a phrase that I use myself. Like I just have to strap yeah. on a pair and do it. Like again, yes. getting to the doing it scare, just strap on mm-hmm. a pair and jump in. And so I I just happen to love that phrase. I know it can offend a lot of people and I know. Um, I'm not easily offended. I, know. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I do too, so I appreciate that. But it's also I'm like in thinking back and like, well, a lot of people will Google strap on a pair and some of the images that come mm. up aren't necessarily in oh. line with what my message is, but <laughs> it makes what are you for gonna some do? interesting At least conversations. it gets people talking. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, speaking of Googling that, I loved your, like when you were telling your story in your book, um, that you pretty much every step along the way, you just Googled your way to success. Like, I, I feel, yeah. I feel like it made me laugh out loud so many times just because as an entrepreneur, I felt like I could relate to that so much of just this idea of I have no idea what I'm doing, yep. but I'm pretty sure if I Google it, I'll figure it out and then just guess the rest of the way. And that is what I think so many people don't really realize about entrepreneurship or just about going out there and doing it scared that nobody else knows what they're doing either. I think this is a conversation I've had with my friend Susie. Um, do you know, you know, yeah, Susie, yeah. Susie Moore. Yes, love um, her. and yes, so, but nobody, nobody else really knows what they're doing either. And, and you just admitted that like so freely, even the job that the wellness job that you were working at, which was a marketing job, you got that because you Googled how to, create a marketing plan, How to create right? a, a <laughs> consumer marketing plan. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, that's kind of been my mantra where like, I always go after these opportunities where I am probably ill prepared for and not before, <laughs> but I'm like, what the heck? I have nothing to lose, you know? And, um, so, you know, it's kind of my mantra to do it scared. And I also kind of like not having any idea of how it's supposed to be mm-hmm. done. Cause then there's no, expectations or preconceived notions of what's right and what's wrong. It's just, you go out there and figure it out and figure it out. And I think it, I was always one to be afraid to fail. Like failure was Mm. my biggest handicap. Like I did not want to fail. And being an entrepreneur, I've learned to welcome failure because you learn Mm. what doesn't work and you're like, okay, awesome. Uh, Like learning what doesn't work is almost as valuable Better. as learning what does work, you know? So true. Yeah. It is so, so true. I That's what I think too. Like even when you lose, you win because when you figure out what's not working or you have the biggest lessons come from come from the screw-ups. Yeah, it's so true. It's and you're so like, okay, true. well, I won't waste my time or my resources over there anymore. It doesn't mm-hmm. work. Like, that's great. Yeah. Cross that off the list. <laughs> so, so true. But one of the so, quotes that, sorry to interrupt you, but oh, one no, of the quotes ahead. that really resonated with me is like, Sarah Blakely is like the epitome of female entrepreneurship. Like, she just mm-hmm. is phenomenal. And so she... I, during my journey, this word disrupt kept coming up. And so when I had kind of did my research on Sarah Blakely, you know, one of her quotes is the best way to disrupt a marketplace is not knowing how it's supposed to be done. And I was like, Mm. perfect, because I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no (laughs) idea how it's supposed to be done. So let's go disrupt. (laughs) That's so true, though, because it's that we 
we have, and it's easy when you look at other people and you think, oh my gosh, they know what they're doing and I have no idea what I'm doing. How am I ever even going to compete? But you don't really have to. You just have to follow your gut, Google a little bit along the way and and keep keep going. Yes. I think that's what I loved about your story too, where even like for so many people, I think just the like, going through all the work, like it was probably hugely scary to invest that $1,500 at the time, which sounded like so much money and felt like so much money into this idea of creating this spray and then to go through the formula, create the formula and have it be like a flop at the end. And you're like, what am I going to (laughs) do? Right. And I feel like that was kind of a, there've been many kind of pivotal points, but you know, often like I, I could have very easily been like, nope, this is a sign. Entrepreneurship is Mm -hmm. not cut out for me. I just need to stay in corporate America. But I feel like there's this like fire that just keeps burning. Like you got to go, you got to try something new. You got to keep, keep after it. And so, um, I just listened to my gut and said, you know, there, it was just this burning desire that would not, would not be quieted. Yeah. I love that. And I think that that's so, that's so such a thing that so many people have, but they're afraid to listen to it. And that's almost what that do it scared idea is all about, where if you, you have this feeling in your stomach or this tightening in your chest every time you think of an idea and you think because you're afraid, that means you're not supposed to do it. But actually, it's just the opposite. It means you're supposed Go to do for it. Like it. That, yes. that feeling is the thing that's like going <laughs> to spur you on. It's going to create all this energy and momentum. And it's like this fire inside you that you start stoking that fire and you can't, you can't stop you it. You can't ever put yeah. it, put it out. But I yeah. also think that some people think of entrepreneurship as like all or nothing. You know, like you have Mm -hmm. to go all in or it's never going to work. And Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I wanted to write the book was to show that you don't have to be Mm -hmm. so, and I say it's um, masculine, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's just so strong in your conviction. But I I don't know, like you look at a Gary Vee and he's like, risk it all and go after it and work, you know, 24 seven and all this kind of stuff. And I just Mm kind of wanted to show it another, another side of entrepreneurship. Like you can still be really successful, stumble your way into things, make tons of mistakes, Mm -hmm. and you don't have to quit your corporate job. You can still be a mom to, to young kids, you know, without, Mm -hmm. uh, without any help, you know, it was daycare and school. That was my only help, Mm -hmm. but you know, you don't have to have you don't have to go all in. Um, I think emotionally you have to go all in, but yes. from like asset wise and money wise, you don't right. have to go all in. Like your risk was relatively small yes. in comparison. You didn't open a store. You Correct. didn't invest hundreds of thousands of dollars. You didn't quit your job before you were ready. Yep. Yeah, you did it. I mean, you did it in a super, super smart way. And yet that doesn't mean that it wasn't super hard. I mean, you barely slept (laughs) for those years that you were building because you were working like right at night and then getting up at two o'clock in the morning and working on the weekends. Like there are sacrifices that you have to make, but it's also doable. Even if you do have a full-time job, even if you are a mom to small kids, like there are so many things that you can do. And what I really loved about your story too, is that And I think this happens so frequently. I see it with lots of different entrepreneurs and people will hear their story and go, oh, well, sure. She just got handed this this opportunity to license insoles in in North America. Like, how did she get so lucky? Like, of course she's successful. She got lucky. Um, But when you listen to your story, you realize like, yes, like that was maybe like a 
you know, a fortunate thing that you didn't, you couldn't have anticipated that happening. Right. But all the things that you did leading up to that, getting, you know, taking the chance on taking this crazy marketing job for the holistic thing, which then led to taking a chance on trying to develop your own foot pain product, which then led to you out of desperation, calling the CEO just to talk to him. I mean, all of that stuff, like had you not been willing to take risks and work really hard along the way, that lucky thing would never, would never have existed. And I, don't you feel like that? Like, I know so many entrepreneurs who have those like lucky quote unquote lucky or whatever. Yeah. But I also, but I also feel like, um, and I don't want to get too like woo woo, but I also feel like (laughs) if you follow, if you follow those little whispers, Mm. like everyone Mm -hmm. has them and whether or not you listen to them is a different story. But I feel like Mm -hmm. the universe will give you opportunities when you're ready for them. If you follow the path. And I feel like I was, yeah, like I went through really hard times in corporate America and I did, I signed up for a job that I was not prepared for. And, you know, but all of those things like led me to that Mm -hmm. point in time where I actually picked up the phone and it's so unlike me to actually pick up the phone and call someone. So yeah, I mean, I hate talking on the phone. It's just one of those things that I just don't like doing. <laughs> so for me, but even talk on the phone. I know. Anymore? I know. Does everyone do it? Anymore? I don't think so. <laughs> but I, I like for me to even like pick up the phone and like schedule time to chat with him was so like mm-hmm. outside of what I normally would have done. So, oh, so yeah. Good though. But I think that happens so, so often and we, that we only see the end result of the journey and not like everything that went into it, but those lucky breaks and those opportunities that seem like they're so like fortuitous are actually the result of doing the, doing all the steps. And so if you can just start doing the steps, sometimes those opportunities will arise because for every person I know that's, you know, an entrepreneur or doing just out there doing really cool things in their life, those opportunities always seem to pop up for them because they're putting themselves out there and because they're doing it, they're doing it scared every single day. You never know when they're going to happen, but then you just have to be ready to say yes. yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I think, which you did, I think part of it is as an entrepreneur, particularly when you're starting out, say yes to everything. <laughs> And then figure it out. (laughs) Don't get yourself in trouble, but jump at opportunities without, without like thinking it through to the point where you convince yourself not to do it. Um, Because that's where I've said this before, but I think the best things come from stepping, like from operating just outside your comfort zone. So true. Um, Like I, it's, it's, you kind of have to push yourself to live there, but that's where the opportunities show up. Oh, that is absolutely 100%. I mean, that's, we're doing this challenge right now that I started on a whim last week. (laughs) I don't really, it really came out of a conversation with my 11 year old daughter who mocked me. Oh, I love it. Um, I love it. (laughs) So she made me, uh, she made me feel a little self conscious about my shoe choice, and (laughs) which I'm sure you'll appreciate. And because I was wearing tennis shoes and not high heels. And, And so I, it got me thinking and I, you know, I'm, I'm doing this do it scared podcast and I'm writing a book called do it scared right now. So I was just thinking a lot about this idea of confidence and how you can build this, build up your confidence. And so I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to challenge myself for, to every day for a month to, first of all, like the, do three things. So the first thing is to actually like get 
like look good every day, which is a challenge. Let's face it. <laughs> now that I'm 40, it's an even bigger challenge um, to uh, get dressed and put on makeup and actually like feel good about myself because it's amazing how your confidence just goes Changes. up when you, when you take the time to do that. Like for you, I love reading that too. Is it, like for you, it's the shoes putting shoes. on putting on amazing shoes, and so. Um, the second thing is to do some sort of physical activity every day, which also is not in my wheelhouse, but <laughs> I'm working on it, working on it. And then the, but the third thing is exactly what you were talking about. It's to do one thing that's outside of your comfort zone. Um, just even when it's a little thing, even if it's like, for me, it might be talking to the person at the, in front of me in line at the grocery store. Cause I go into my zone and I don't want to talk to anybody, especially yep. in, in public and, or, you know, just anything that's like a little bit outside because you never know what happens when you are willing to step a little bit further outside. And when you do it once, it's easier the next time and it's easier the next time and it's easier the next time. It's just amazing how that happens. So absolutely. And, and one thing that I like to talk about too, is I don't consider myself a confident person at all. Like confidence to me, mm-hmm. like the way I interpret confidence is you have it all together, you know what you're doing. And I am mm-hmm. so not like that. So I'd rather, I, I talk about like, I'm courageous and I can mm. be proud of being courageous. And so I'd rather have courage than confidence is the way I look yes. at it. So, And courage, that's what I tell my kids all the time too. Courage doesn't mean you're never scared. Courage is just being scared and taking Doing action. Doing it anyway. Anyways. Yep. Googling it. Yeah. <laughs> I think Google I'm going to add is the best business that. tool ever. <laughs> Like number one business tool, Google. Seriously, just Google it. Uh-huh. Just, you don't know what you're doing, just Google it. That's all you all you need to know in life. So true. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about lessons. We kind of alluded to alluded to them a little bit, but what is one of the hardest lessons that you've had to learn in business or in life? Either a really big mistake or just a time that you were treated poorly by someone else or tragedy, I don't know, whatever it is, what happened, first of all, and what did it teach you? Sure. So um, there are a couple lessons, and I would say I would break them into personal and business. And while you're when you're an entrepreneur, it's kind of one and the same. Um, yes. I would say business-wise, um, I was really scared of negative feedback on the, on the, on the mm. um, product. And so no product works for everyone. And some women mm-hmm. will love it and some women won't. And so mm-hmm. I needed to grow thick skin in order to at first deal with those. And now I have a customer service team, but at first mm-hmm. I was the one doing customer service. Mm-hmm. And so um, like it was it was really hard for me to separate myself from my company at first because I had mm-hmm. so much invested in it. But mm-hmm. I think the biggest lesson learned is if you don't take things personally, you're able to better handle the situations, particularly when Mm. it comes to business, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. And so I'm a hundred percent personally invested in my business, but when it comes Mm. to business interactions, um, you know, I, I just, it's a business interaction. And so I try and take Mm -hmm. myself out of it and not get offended. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You have to kind of put your big girl panties on when it comes to that kind of stuff. Absolutely. And Oh, I know customer service can be uh, such a, and thank goodness for customer service teams and people who truly excel in that role. I feel like in our company, we have a few that are so good at it and they just love everyone. Even people that are mean, they just find a way to love them 
and care for them and turn them like we say we say turning our feisties into happiness. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes, there is customer service. People are a special rare breed and I have uh, all of the respect for them because it is it's a it, tough place to be and those who do it well are magical. Yes. They are. They're like yes. unicorns. Yeah. <laughs> They are. <laughs> so shout so. out to all the customer yes. service people out there. Yes, We absolutely. appreciate you. Yes. <laughs> and then from a personal sta- standpoint, I think my biggest lesson learned is I am my biggest roadblock. I personally mm. like doubt myself and mm. have had – I continually do a lot of work on myself. Mm -hmm. Um, to get out of my own way. So I struggled, honestly, when I started this business with feeling worthy of one, representing this product because it wasn't mine. I didn't design it. I don't own the patent. Like what's, who am I to bring this Mm -hmm. to market? And Mm -hmm. the answer to that is I was the only one, I was the first one and the only one to ask, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, there's always an answer. And then, um, feeling worthy was just something, I mean, it was just a self-limiting belief. And I had, Mm. that was a really, that one handcuffed me for a long time and still does. Mm. I mean, it still pops up sometimes. And so I have to work on myself continually to Mm. bust through those self-limiting beliefs and move forward. Okay. So let's talk about the role of fear in your life and in your business. And we have already talked a little bit or a lot about that, but what's something that has really, really scared you in your business and how did you move past it? Um, I would say, um, again, fear of failure. It was one thing that Mm. really handcuffed me in the beginning. And, um, that like you just kind of transition and now I welcome fear. Um, Mm. I'll tell you 2018 has been a rough year for me. Um, and I think I'm Mm. operating from a, I was operating from a place of fear. And I think because last year was a record year for me in terms of sales, it was a Mm. phenomenal year. And I think I went into this year thinking I needed to exceed that by, the same percentage I exceeded it the year before. Uh, and so I was like operating for like, how am I going to do that? How, how is this going to mm-hmm. happen? You know, so it was all like fear-based decisions versus excited, don't know what I'm doing, you know, based That's No, decisions. that's so true though. The problem with success once it starts to come is that there's all of a sudden, like before, there's no pressure because you, you're like, I don't know uh-huh. what I'm doing. I'm not making any money. I've invested $1,500 into this business. And yep. so there's no, like, it's kind of fun. And you have that excuse of like not knowing what you're doing. And then all of a sudden you have success and people assume that you do know what you're doing, <laughs> right. except, you, except you really don't. still don't. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so then you have to pretend more, I think. And it gets, it gets harder. It gets overwhelming. And, and I feel like Mm -hmm. I've set expectations now, whereas before there were zero expectations on me and Mm -hmm. that's where I love to operate. Like Mm -hmm. almost like this, um, not an underdog, but like, oh, people aren't asking because they know it's just still this hobby, (laughs) you know, kind of thing. And now that I'm like, oh my gosh, like I've publicly stated my sales numbers last year Mm. and now like I need to beat those. I need, you know, and it's, it's fine. I will. But now it's like yeah. expectations. And I'm like, okay, I just mm-hmm. have to clear those out. I still need to have it. Get excited and giddy about all these things that are happening. And um, as soon as you can like clear out that expectation energy and fear-based energy, I feel like it's fun again. So, so how did you clear it out? Um, conversations with my sales coach. Um, it was, uh, 
Yeah. I mean, I'm still kind of clearing it out, even though it's mm-hmm. April or May. Oh my gosh, May 1st. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, we're getting there. I just think it's a learning process because last year was the first year where it was so, so successful mm. that I've never operated in that that place before. And so I think it's just another learning year for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think that companies ebb and flow. And so mm-hmm. I am working on a lot of new projects right now. And so I feel like it's kind of an ebb year where it's more behind mm-hmm. the scenes, not necessarily pushing forward, but working behind mm-hmm. the scenes to set up for that incremental. The systems. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. And that's hard. And that's hard too, because even though you know it's necessary, it's not the exciting stuff. Right. It's not the like adrenaline pumping stuff. And it's <laughs> right. and it also costs way more. So your expenses go or up higher. and your revenue goes down. And those and it so that does make it scary. And I've had to learn that too. That's it's there's hard seasons of being a business owner yeah, there. Absolutely. And I feel like I'm almost in like a winter season and then but I'm mm. but I see spring. Like I'm coming out of it. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be fun. There's a lot of exciting stuff on the horizon. So, <laughs> well, let's talk about that. Sure. So what, what big goals are you working towards right now? So I have big monetary goals that I'm working towards right now, but more mm-hmm. exciting than that, because that can put pressure on people too, um, is I, am, we just launched a new product extension for Vivian Lou. It's a sister brand, Ooh. but it's called Sophia Lou and it's an insole for flats. Oh. So oh. yes. So this is actually nice. a heel cupping insole that actually matches the shape of your heel. So it supports the plantar fascia oh, wow. and makes it more comfortable because a lot of times those really cute flat shoes hurt your mm-hmm. feet. Are not comfortable. Hurt. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we're, I'm really excited about that. I'm also working, we're going to be launching in the next month or two for pre-sale, a line of sandals that actually has this um, two technologies designed into the footbed. And so again, sandals and flip-flops are some of the worst shoes for your feet, almost more so than high heels. And so this is- Are they? mm -hmm, Because particularly like flip-flops, because a lot of them are flat. And so it puts pressure on your heel bone and your plantar fascia. And then you're also- um, when you, this is completely <laughs> fascinating to me right now. And you have to grip <laughs> the, the girl who wears flip flops. Yeah, every day. well, in Florida, you have to. So, and then <laughs> exactly. the um, the toe post, you know, or the thong. A lot of times, you put undue pressure on your toes or feet by having to pinch that when you're walking. Mm-hmm. And so, this sandal yes. actually has um, in the footbed. It has a little divot, so it actually moves with your foot, and so you don't actually have to pinch. <sighs> the toe post to get the, the sandal or flip flop to stay on your foot. So yeah. And they're cute. I mean, that's the really, I designed them. That's the really important question. (laughs) (laughs) I would wear them. So I will be wearing them. (laughs) When I went to your website, I was, I was so tickled because when you're, when I Googled you and Googled your website, something on the, it says beauty doesn't have to be pain or something like that. Beauty is not pain or doesn't have to be pain. And it's, that's what I tell my kid, my girls, I have two daughters yeah. all the time. And every time I'm brushing their hair or doing anything and it, mommy, that hurts. I'm like, beauty is pain, girls. The sooner you get used to that, the better. Beauty is pain. Just remember that. It doesn't that. have to be, especially when you're wearing shoes. <laughs> well, I don't know. We'll have to find out. I'm going to test this theory. You'll need to send me a, send me a pair to test. For sure. For sure. <laughs> So, um, yeah. And then I'm working on the ultimate project for me. So, um, yeah, it's, I haven't mentioned this publicly yet, so you might be the first one, but I've always dreamed 
obviously being a high heel wearer yes. um, and avid fan, I've always dreamed of working on my own shoe line. And so I am in the process of designing my own line of high heels. Wow. <laughs> yes. That's exciting. Yes. So are you partnering with another company to do this or are you doing it all, you're developing it all on your own? So I'm using the technology that we are, that is in our high heel insoles and mm-hmm. that's going to be designed into the shoe. Oh, that's amazing. Um, yes. And then I've actually hired a shoe designer to actually help me. I, I'm very specific as to what I like in high heels mm-hmm. and the shape and all that kind of stuff. And so yes. um, I don't know how to design or draw a high heel. So I hired a designer. She's working on the designs. And then um, I am relying on the manufacturer of the insoles to help me with the manufacturing relationship with a high heel manufacturer. So that is exciting. Yes. So what's your timeline on that? Don't know yet. So we're still working through Mm. designs and prototypes and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's up in the air right now, but it's like, this is the ultimate, ultimate dream. Yes. The really important question though, is are you going to have size 10 and a half? (laughs) Yes. It'll go up to 11. Well, I know, but a lot of people skip the 10 and a half. No, it'll be half 10 sizes. and 11. It'll okay, be half good. Because I don't know why they always skip 10 and a half, but e- almost every shoe manufacturer skips it, except for Tory Burch. So I wear. A lot oh, that's of Tory awesome. Birch, that's good to know. Just because it's the only one that comes in 10 and a half. Interesting. Yeah. No, big, big yeah. Foot, and big our. Feet problem. <laughs> and our insoles actually fit. So a lot of people thank us because our insoles, they come in four different sizes, but they fit mm-hmm. shoes four to 12 for women. Oh. And so people, the women who have like really petite feet and the women who have larger feet, mm. they're like, thank you so much. We finally found a product that like fits our feet. So it's amazing. Yeah. That is, that is so exciting. You're doing your own shoe line. I am super pumped for you. And that is like, that's a lot of behind the scenes yes. stuff and a lot of like scary, scary, stuff. scary stuff. Yes. Yeah. So the sandals is. was, is, is scary too. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. there's a huge manufacturing difference when you're manufacturing a finished product versus uh, an insole to put into your shoe. And so mm. the cost of those, um, projects are a lot more, um, extensive yes. now, but, um, yes. Exciting. Now you're investing real, real money. Real money. <laughs> real money. Not, not that it wasn't real before, real, but this y'all. is like scary money. <laughs> yeah, it is scary money. I, that was the first time we invested in our physical product, which is the Living Well Planner. It was the same thing. And it was insane The the just because to keep our costs to a reasonable level, we were printing in the USA the, and so – the, to keep our costs to a reasonable level, we order had to order so many, yes. huge amounts. Yes. And it was like writing a check to buy a house. Yeah. I mean, it was bigger than a house. It was terrifying. It was the biggest check I've ever written, um, I think still up to this point. And it was, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, Why? I really, really hope this works. Mm-hmm. But, but, but you but, have to take those, again, doing it scared. You, I feel like in mm-hmm. order to make incremental significant progress, you have to take these risks. And so true. I feel like the risks, like the more successful you are, the bigger risks you have to take because you've had mm-hmm. success. Whereas before, yes. like, like we said that $1,500, that was a big risk for me because I had At never that proven time. that I mm-hmm. could do this or had had success. Right. So yeah, I feel right. like the risks kind of grow as you grow. They get, yeah, they get bigger as you get bigger, but at the same time, you're more equipped to handle them because you've learned along the way. And you've also built up like a reserve. Right. So, you know, you never risk more than you can afford to lose. Right. So at least that's kind of my motto. Yes. My business. Yes. 
Yes. Like, okay, even if this is a total if it failure, flops, it will hurt. It's not going to, but it won't, yes. it won't devastate <laughs> but it won't, us. It won't kill me. Yes. Yeah. That's always kind of how I judge, judge the risks. Never, never risk more than I can like reasonably handle yes. without going bankrupt. <laughs> Of course, that's that's a big key. <laughs> yeah, it's really wise business advice right yeah. there. <laughs> well, especially when you have young kids. You know, like my husband's always like, we would be far more riskier if we didn't have kids. Because then it would just be us and we could, you know, we'd always know we'd go that's back true. to work or do something and mm-hmm. make money. But, you know, when you have kids, yeah. you kind of have to have this stable lifestyle. There has to be some stability uh-huh. there. That's very, very true. But that's why I, that's why I love your story so much too, because you've done it in this incremental way that actually still worked for your family and allowed you to still be a mom and still take care of your family all along the way yes. without having it ever have to be too, too scary. Yes. So that's amazing. So tell me, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received and why? Oh man. Um, this was, this is a good question. Um, I think there are two here. Um, one, it's your it's your journey and your journey alone. So I spent way too much time comparing myself to others, whereas I should have spent that time taking action versus comparing. And so regardless of whether or not you're in an industry where there are thousands of other providers, it's your journey, mm-hmm. it's your unique perspective. And so just so do true. it do it your way and I love yeah. that. Um, and the other one was um, because I didn't design or do the science behind my project, I really had a hard time at first having a conversation around it and talking about the product mm. because it wasn't quote unquote mine. And mm. um, I think it, I forget who said this. And so I'm not taking credit for this at all, but there's something to be said about not being an expert or owning the conversation, but simply participating in the conversation. And so Mm. I show up much more comfortably um, as a participant Mm. versus one who's an expert or one who owns the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think that's Mm. important too, as an entrepreneur, like you don't have to have all the, all the answers, even, even as Mm. a product owner who, you know, you're selling a product, you don't need to be a total, Mm -hmm. total expert on foot health in my case, or be a podiatrist in order to have a very um, educational and intelligent conversation. I can participate. Mm -hmm. I don't need to own it. Oh, that's so true. And I think that that holds a lot of people back too, in so many ways, because I think, well, I'm not, especially because I have Elite Blog Academy. So I teach bloggers how to start blogs, um, working more, more than one hour a week, usually on their (laughs) blog. But but that's, I have so many bloggers who think, oh my gosh, well, I, I, can't talk about this because I'm not an expert in, in this area. And and I'm like, I started a blog called Living While Spending Less. And I am like the least expert, money-saving expert I know. Like I'm a money-spending expert, right. not a money-saving <laughs> expert. So if I can start a blog on living while spend, spending, spending less, less, then you can literally start a blog on anything and you will be okay. You don't have to be an expert. You can talk about the journey along the way. You Absolutely. can talk about just and your experience. I think you can it's show, so you can be the one who has an interest in it and almost look at it as you're a reporter. You're just simply mm-hmm. reporting what you've learned and lived and that's, yes. and it's your perspective and that's yep. it. So I, I mean, I think being that like quoting other, you can quote other people. It doesn't need to be, you're the expert. Um, mm-hmm. It's just kind of reporting what you've learned and how you've experienced it. And it's so it. freeing yes. too. Yes. When you let go of this like need to create this persona that's not doesn't feel authentic to you, but actually just 
like you're like this is who I am. I fell into this. That's what I loved about listening to your story too, because I listened to the audiobook. Is just, uh, it's just hearing you talk like so frankly and so honestly about your journey and what happened along the way. And it made it feel like, of course, I want to buy these insoles. I don't care that you didn't create them. I'm like, oh my gosh, I love, like I connected to your story. I want my feet to feel better also. So, so it just like, but it, it worked. It doesn't like at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because you're being authentic and true. And I think that's so true too. Like, um, when I first started Vivian Lou, I didn't even sign my name at the bottom of my emails that I sent out every week because I was so I was so timid uh-huh. about showing up. Mm. And there are still days where I kind of quote unquote hide behind my business, but it's mm-hmm. so much more freeing. And I feel like people connect more, even on a physical product business, when you just show up and be like, I'm totally imperfect. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. but this is this is my business and this is my product and I love it. And I hope you do too. And, you know, just kind of having an an open and honest conversation. So true. I love it. Okay. So tell me where we can find you online on all the things. So (laughs) you can find my book strap on a pair at Amazon and Mm -hmm. it is an audible version and a Kindle version and a print version. Um, And it's a must read. Well, thank you. Seriously guys, it's, you got to read it. It's so good. I, and I read a lot of books and they don't always entertain me, but this one (laughs) it's good. And also I loved that you had a warning of if you're listening to the audible version, do not listen into it in In front of kids. Small children. <laughs> I um, yes, I happen to have a a sailor or trucker mouth, so yes, that's. But I was being authentic and telling it the way it's I. True, I needed it's true. It's true. I say I love Jesus, but I swear sometimes. <laughs> I love it. So that's it's where true. you can find the book. You can also find the insoles at Vivian Lou, which is V-I-V-I-A-N-L-O-U.com. And if you're interested in purchasing, I will um, your listeners can get 20% off with Ooh. discount code Do It Scared. So nice. Yes. nice. So VivianLou.com. Yep. Use discount code Do It Scared. scared. And we will put this all in the show notes as well, which you can find at doitscared.com slash episode 12. Perfect. Perfect. So that's (laughs) it. And then the new sandal line, anyone who's interested, it will be Goldilou, which is G-O-L-D-I-E-L-O-U.com. Yes. And then um, more to come on the high heel line. (laughs) <laughs> I'm excited about that. Well, keep us posted. We'll it was so nice to talk yes. to you. Thank you so much for being on here. You're doing amazing things. And now I feel like we really I are know. Friends. Thank you so much for having <laughs> me on. This is great. Thanks, Abby. Bye. Bye. Okay. So don't forget that if you would like to grab our Do It Scared Manifesto, you can download it at doitscared.com slash episode 12. You can also get the show notes there. Or you can text Do It Scared to 44222 right now. Once again, that's doitscared.com slash episode 12 or by texting Do It Scared to 44222 on your phone right now. Before we go, I just want to say that I would still absolutely love to hear from you. If you have any questions about what we talked about today or any other topics that you would like to see addressed on the Do It Scared podcast, please feel free to reach out via email by filling out our form at doitscared.com. All right, and that about does it for this episode of the Do It Scared with Ruth Sukup podcast. 
Thank you so much for joining me today. And if you liked what you heard, once again, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes. I am always picking reviewers at random to win Do It Scared t-shirts and mugs, which can also be found in our Living Well shop, or you can find them at doitscared.com. Also, be sure to subscribe via iTunes to be notified of new episodes. And speaking of upcoming episodes, be sure to join me next week as we take a deep dive into the topic of accountability and why it is so, so, so important to have people in your life who will speak truth to you no matter what and how creating more accountability in your life can actually be one of the biggest catalysts for helping you overcome fear. It's going to be a good one, so don't miss it. I will catch you then.